0: Good evening, everyone. I uh, hope you had a good day. This is pretty late recording, but I couldn't sleep, so I decided I'd do this. Uh, today, I guess I wanted to talk about what it means to be a historian. Technically, that's not even technically. I'm re- I'm actually going to school to write history, to be a historian. And as far as I The more and more I explore this field, the more and more I start to realize the only thing that makes you a historian, on a technical level at least, is whether or not you are writing history. And I guess to further solidify it, whether or not that history actually gets published. So I guess the... uh, The kind of on the nose bullshit answer is a historian is someone who writes history, but that's kind of like. That's kind of like too easy. It's. It. It's like. Yeah, an accountant is someone who works with accounts. Like, it's in the fucking name. But. For me. Ah, no, I've been asked this question. If another professor ask me what a primary source is, I'm going to slam my balls into a car door. That shit just gets on my nerves. It's like, obviously a primary source is a primary source of information. But but I'm getting off track here. What is a historian? So yeah, a historian is someone who studies history, but I guess what is history? History is probably the most applicable largest application of the humanities you will ever find in life. If you don't know what the humanities is, it's basically like your history, philosophy, psychology or art, uh, art to an extent. It's basically the shit you study in college that deals more of like what it means to be a human and shit like that. The thing with history, though, is history kind of transcends that because obviously people have histories, but also shit that people do has history, shit that people make. Uh, it doesn't have to do have to do with people. Like, ants have a history. Trees have history. We literally look at trees to understand history of the environment. And that's just one of the many... Environmental history is one of the many sub... I going not even call it, like, a subfield, but, like, a paradigm that historians can work through in order to study history. Uh, but for me, though, I, I'm not really, well, okay, here. Um, my professors always ask what is, at the beginning of every semester as a history undergrad, they always ask what is a field of history that you like? Like, what intrigues you to study? And most people go, oh, it's ancient Greece. It's Edo, Japan. It's this time period here or this civilization or blah, 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 something like that. So I do, I mean, I give that answer. I'm always like, oh, West American Western expansion in the 19th century, because like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a specific answer and it's an easy answer. But, I mean, truth be told, like, I don't really, I don't, it's not that I don't like it. Like I can talk, I could talk about history for hours. In fact, that was like one of the original ideas for me podcasting. But history is just, it's so massive and it's so intrinsic to like the human experience that I don't, I don't want to limit myself to a certain field. I love reading about history. I love talking to historians. That's one thing I've gotten a great opportunity in college is to actually talk about talk to historians and learn how they do their work with digging through archives and asking these specific questions and the different theses of their papers and books and all that. It's, it's really cool to really talk to them and like get to know about them. Not really know about them, but I know about the work that they put into the books that they've written. Um, So recently I've talked to a, I know, I, but like in my class, we talked to a uh, historian who wrote history about uh, trans, transnational relationships of Peru and uh, Chile. If you didn't know, in the late uh, 19th century, uh, there was a big war between Peru and Bolivia and Chile, in which Chile won. And Chile basically kicked Bolivia off of the Pacific Coast. It was called the War of the Pacific. Which is a very cool name for war. It was actually bar. We actually kind. Of, when you say war in the of the Pacific. You could think of America and Japan in World War Two, but actually the War of the Pacific was that war previous. Anyways, uh, so he would talk about he his book his study was massive. He talked about how both those nations turned towards uh, the Pacific and were integrated into the largest pacific world and how the homosociality of just men living on boats if anyone who's still in the army is still listening to this uh homosexual social relationship is what most of you are in most military men and women find themselves in homosocial relationships with members of the same sex that's all it means it just means you hang like you hang out with guys you hang out with girls whatever you hang out with people who you identify with on a social level. Uh, he talked about anarchism and communism and, organ- and workers organization in the late 20s, uh, late 20s, not late 20th century, but like the mid 20th century. And he just went on and on. Like, it was just a massive project. And that book was only six chapters. He could have gone way more in depth with what he was exploring, but it was it was one of his first works. He was a young historian, and he just he did an amazing job compiling it and going to the archives in those countries and just really synthesizing the information and getting it out there. And he like I said, I mentioned primary sources earlier, but like he was able to find stories of. Just the weirdest things, like on account of a guy cutting his leg open because he was trying to prove his masculinity, 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 and um police reports and shifts manifestos, and all that different shit that can like you can tell stories with of history, and that's what history is like it's just telling a story and hopefully that story is as close to the truth as it can be um that's one thing. With history, uh, We're never, you will never get an entirely truthful history because history is told from people. That's why uh, history only goes back to, I don't even have a timeline, it's like 3,000 B.C., 4,000 B.C. Um, because that's when people started writing shit down and we can tell what they were writing. We know on a basic level, what they were trying to communicate in those writings. Uh, beyond that, that's where you get into the prehistory and the archeology span and the anthropology of, which is a more, definitely a more nuanced and less technical field. I'm not saying there's not technical aspects to anthropology and archeology span because there's 100% hard work that goes into both of those fields. But with history, it's more about discerning that human element that comes with your primary sources. And that's, it's not, it's not, it's not terribly hard. But there's there's certain levels of questions that are needed to be asked in order to find, w- not even technically what the source is saying, because the source is saying what it's saying. Like you know what it's saying. But like reading against the grain of the source, trying to really dig into like what the author was trying to say and what they aren't saying and this, the environment in which they're writing and whatnot, it's just, there's a massive, there's a ton of digging into primary sources that are, that uh, bugs me constantly, but that's, that's I'll, I'll, I'll bury that. So anyways, uh, me, I don't want to study a specific type of history or a specific par- paradigm or time frame of history I want to study I don't even know if I want to study I want to write about history and write with history I want to use history more in writings and I guess broadcasting now This podcasting is so so fucking weird um, and hopefully I can bring some of my own personal flair and Insight into historic histories. Maybe, maybe a little later this month I'll do my own understanding of Black History Month. That will be interesting because I don't really know much about the month itself. Of course, I know leader like African American leaders like W. B. Du Bois, uh, not even African American, just like African leaders, I guess. Tour, all the like, just. I know, I know the great man history of it, but I would like to know more about this, the cultural, social aspect of the African-American experience, if that makes sense. Uh, I know Ronald Reagan's not a great guy. Uh, I mean, he did a lot of things. Uh, I don't want to talk about presidents yet. We, that can be another episode. Uh, I might talk about Nikki Haley's campaign at the end of this episode just to keep it a little spicy, but uh yeah, I'm a, I'm a historian. By training, I guess that was a lot of things, and I'll probably continue to be a lot of things. That's at least my hope. My hope in life is that I can experience everything that this life gives me, and hopefully more, but when it comes to dealing with people and writing about people and I say people too much, just writing about events and phenomenon and the past. It's, I think it's an incredible thing to do. I think everything has a history and I'd like to explore everything. So, I guess with that being said, I'm Dalton Meeks, I'm a historian. I'm not signing off because I want to talk about Nikki Haley for a second, just like a quick second because shoot, what? Who she started off her like 2024 campaign by saying that uh, she wanted to. I don't have an article to for this. I need a, like an assistant or something. Once like once maybe this might get big enough. I can get a uh, I can get my own Jamie and get a person to like. Hey fucking Google this. Except I mean there's a computer right in front of me, but. My mic's also right in front of me and my symbols so left of me, so I can't exactly Google things easily. Anyways, I saw or I heard that Nikki Haley is running for running for president 24 as a Republican. Uh, most people could probably see this coming. She's basically been on track ever since she was the UN ambassador and yeah, she's, she's, She's not an outsider politician, but one of the weird things that she's done, that she said, is she wanted to institute a, uh, a mandatory, I think it was like a cognitive ability test for any federal, uh, any po- federal politicians, so, I mean, congressmen, who are over the age of 75. Not even congressmen, just like politicians So like, people like presidents, politi- basically presidents and congressmen, because the only other official in the United States is like a judge and like you can't like judges sit there for life. So but yeah, this so that was crazy. And that got me thinking, like let's take it like let's take it a step further. Let's let's make politicians the largest the most Persecuted class in the United States, because really that's what public service is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a sacrifice for the greater good of the nation. So I mean, veterans and soldiers they suffer. We, I don't really like identifying with it because I, I didn't want really to do anything. But like, I was a good, I was a good soldier, I guess. Anyways, back to back to persecuting politicians. Um, I think we should. Uh I think we should brand politicians every time they get elected. Every time they win re specifically. So they, like, you like, they have they legitimately have skin in the game. Because they want to run, they have the risk that, uh, it should be like a seal, but not like a like, there should be like a people's seal that we sear into their flesh. Um, and I think the think the uh, we should even take a step further let's expand the number of politicians that would get branded uh say if you're if you represent more than 10,000 people within whatever your district is what however that voting works and I mean city council people mayors court clerks all of them anyone who's So, basically, if you're not in a small town representing uh, people, you're fucked. So, you better, you, I mean, that doesn't really do, anyone can get burned. Like, I've I've had my skin burned multiple times, but, like, it's not a big deal. Uh, Yeah, if you represent over 10,000 people and you win an election, your trust should be sheer, should, your... Your trust in the people should be—it's called a covenant—should be uh, seared in flesh, and its, it's not no no—it's not just like a one and go kind of thing. It's like every time you run for re-election and you win, you are going to be <laughs> physically scarred because you are suffering for the not the privilege. But the opportunity to serve the nation, I I think it's a good idea. I think we should have a constitutional convention to get that that put up. Because I mean, if we're gonna like scrutinize them for being for geriatrics, we might as well scrutinize them for being narcissistic pieces of shit. Which I mean, I am the one talking to myself in my room, but like I've already discarded myself multiple times, so I'll be. I'm fine. I'm good. Anyways, as me talking about being a historian and mutilating politicians. Uh, I hope you have a good rest of your night, and thank you for listening.